Happy Labor Day, Denver. Here's Matt Smith and Denver 7's Troy Rank. We have been rocking since 6 a.m. Happy Labor Day. We've got another hour here for you. Sean Payton scheduled to talk to the media here coming up in just about 15 minutes. Boy, it's nice having a Broncos coach that comes to talk to the media when he says he will, right? As opposed to last year when, gosh, every press conference we were waiting for Nathaniel Hackett, it felt like, for 15 minutes at a minimum because it was just so disorganized. I was just going through with you the position groups with the Broncos. We determined that over last year, year over year, quarterbacks are better. Running backs are better than they were last season. Wide receiver, it's about a push. Tight ends are better. Offensive lines are better. Offensive line is better, hopefully. But, yes, better. So, offensively, you only have one position group that's it's about a negligible difference from last year, and that's the receivers. Now, defensively, defensive line, Troy, you said, was about negligible. Outside linebackers, incrementally better. We know they're deeper. That, at least, we know. Corner, about negligible, and safeties are better. So, not a single position group got worse. And most position groups got better. So the that must beg the question, what is the floor and what is the ceiling for this team? And coming off of the preseason and training camp, now we're at rivalry week. We're at Raiders week here. What are your floor and ceiling expectations for the Denver Broncos in 2023? Yeah, floor would be seven wins. Ceiling would be ten. Mm. If they're in the NFC, I'd think that the floor would be different. It would be nine with a ceiling of 11. AFC, it's just it's a quarterback-driven league, and most of the best quarterbacks are in the AFC now. Got to play Mahomes twice, Herbert twice, Aaron Rodgers once, Josh Allen, Deshaun Watson if he bounces back. I mean, it's just they're not a lot of easy games on this schedule. I was about to tell, I was about to say, go through that schedule right now and tell me the games that you should win. Well, it starts with these first two. To have any chance to have a winning record and return to the playoffs for the first time since Super Bowl 50, I, I hate to say must win on a 17-game schedule. you got to beat the Raiders and Commanders at home. Oh, absolutely. But I'm not even talking about that because I think those games are coin flips. I'm talking about games you can point at on this schedule and go win. Yeah, I mean, they'd be home games. I'd say add Houston as the one road game that should be a, a win. But New England at home I think agree. is a win. Uh, but after that, there's a lot of games that are coin flip games. Right. And so that's kind of my point here is that while we can say, you know, you can say seven win floor, and I tend to agree with you, right? The worst Sean Payton ever did in New Orleans was three years of seven and nine football. But man, Troy, I mean, we saw how it looked the first week of the preseason. There's still tons that need to be proved. Now, I think that it is trending in the right direction to have a seven win floor. But a couple more injuries here or there, the Broncos could be really shorthanded. So while I'm with you that that's what it should be, I'm not going to go out there and say there's no chance this team only wins five games again. Because I think that is a possibility if for some reason you get some more injuries and maybe you don't hit as many green lights as you were hoping to. Maybe and, some and they bad, lack depth. Yeah. In, in fairness to your argument, I don't think five is possible, but it isn't inconceivable because there's, their depth is a concern. That's all I'm saying. They're so much better for me like they're – they're all 22, if you will. They're 22. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not sure about the kicker. i got to see it. But their depth is a concern. It just is. I and mean, there's no way around it that they have some young guys we're all intrigued by. But like you said, if if McGlinchey goes out or if they, they lose a lineman and then they lose another receiver, like all of a sudden, you're like, yikes, you know, where are we at with this? 
I don't see, you know, a four or five, but after the last <laughs> seven, seven years, years. Yeah. I don't rule out anything. That's right. Every time I say it can't get worse, they're like the mutant ninja turtle. They they grab up, they grab the pothole cover and they jump down and That's go right. further into the sewer. That's right. Like Hold my every, beer. Every time I say this can't get worse, it does. Right. It's the craziest thing I've ever seen. All right. Well, that's worst case scenario, right? Worst case scenario. What about best case scenario? You said 10 wins. What is getting to 10 wins and reaching your ceiling look like? Well, you're going to have to go six and three at home. Yeah. You're going to have to go 10. You're going to six and three at home. Sure. So you have to beat teams like the Raiders, like the Commanders. You got to beat the team like the Jets. That's a swing game because they're right on the wild card bubble for me. You got to beat the Browns at home. Like, what does it look like? You win the swing games. Jets at home. That Cleveland game, November 26th at home, Minnesota at home. These are the swing games if you're a 10-win team that you find a way to win. Absolutely. And look, you you were 4-9 and nine in one-score games. And as you mentioned, some of that is a little deceiving because, you know, you, you really weren't ever out of games because teams never really put the gas pedal down on you. Look, I, I tend to agree. I'm more around a nine-win ceiling for this group right now. I just think that some of these injuries are going to hurt them, and they're banged up, unfortunately. Now, I hope they can get there. The, the, the wild card and the X factor is Sean Payton, right? Because Sean Payton's offense, we've seen flashes, looks to be a heck of a lot smarter and, and more thought out than what we saw oh, last it, it year. It is cerebral. As you go over there, on the uh, as you walk out into the practice field, there's a sign that said Compete Street. The sign last year was Sesame Street. <laughs> I mean, the the difference in the coaching is so significant. T is for turnover. <laughs> I can't even tell you how much better coach they are. I just think it's going to take him one more year to get to enough of his guys on the roster. What's the, what's the number of the day, kids? Three. That's right. Three, as in three and out, <laughs> last year, the Sesame Street Broncos. So what does that make Nathaniel Hackett? Elmo? He's Elmo, got to be, he's got to be, be tickle me, Elmo. Listen, two things can be true. He can be a good guy. He was a <laughs> terrible head coach. There's no arguing that. And Russ did him no favors. No. I get all that. But he was a terrible head coach because he held no one accountable. Mm, man. And he didn't, and he didn't. And you know what's so funny is you watch the first episode of Hard Docs. Robert Sala is holding Aaron Rodgers accountable, right, in practice. There are, there are mo- or, or quarterback on Netflix, you saw Kevin O'Connell. Kevin O'Connell do the same exact thing to Kirk Cousins. You're sitting there going, wow. Like, that is, that is accountability from a head coach to a franchise quarterback that we just didn't see here in Denver last year. It was refreshing to see overall. And Sean Payton already has made it very clear to Russell Wilson that this year will be different. This is not 2022. And I can't wait to see things unfold. It is rivalry weekend. Nebraska and Colorado, Vegas and Denver. On the other side, we're going to be talking to, or we're not talking to, we're going to be listening to Sean Payton, who's scheduled to step up live to the podium here any minute. Oh, he's up there right now? He's up there right now? We'll put him on. You got him? Put him on. Philosophy, do you see that as something you sort of put extra emphasis on in one way or the other and because of the nature of the, the rivalry in the division? Yeah, I, we look at them as divisional games. I, I think of rivalries in college football and then arch rivalries. Um, as you know, I was asked that question a lot relative to Atlanta, New Orleans. I mean, look, divisional games are important. Um, first goal is to find a way to win your division 
you play your divisional opponents twice. Um, I can't speak for rivalries. I, I don't, you know, the, I just think that exists a little bit more in the collegiate game. And I think it's, I think division games are, are important. Yes. Go ahead, Nick. Thanks for the time, Sean. When you have a player like Josh Jacobs, who was not a, a, a part of their entire training camp process, are you, are you still planning for him as if, as if it's a full load or, or do, you, do you tailor it in any way based on, you know, the fact that he's just kind of maybe getting up to speed there? Well, we wouldn't tailor our plan expect, I mean, the, our, our plan defensively is, you know, here are the key players. He certainly is, you know, one of the more dominant running backs in the NFL. So that, that's how we'll approach the game. Go ahead, Eric. But coach, when you look at Max Crosby, what are the things he does that makes him so difficult to stop for an offense? Yeah, he's real flexible. Uh, he's a tremendous worker, athletic. Um, you know, he's got one of those motors that that doesn't stop, and, and he can get to your edge quick. Um, but his ability to bend and then his stamina are things that, that stand out. Go for it, Mike. Yeah, Coach, uh, condolences on Jimmy Buffett, first of all. And um, uh, will there be come Monday music out there for the for the stretch today or anything like that? Uh, we, haven't, we haven't really looked at the music for stretch right now. We're just focused on our meetings and, uh, and getting this week started off right relative to Las Vegas. And then uh, did you get a chance to watch uh, Colorado? I joined it a, l- a little bit late here, but uh, – Watch the buffs. And- I didn't. I didn't see any. I didn't see any college football. No. Okay. okay. Yeah, coach, you came back to and to, you. You've told me how you embraced coming back to this and the NFL grind. How much do you look forward to being back in the playbook now that we're out of preseason and you can open it up and chess match that you've been so proficient at over the last you know fifteen, you know, 15 years. Well. Listen, it's part of each week. Um, I, I don't open it up as kind of a vague term. I, look, you get more specific, obviously, with each opponent than the training camp install. Um, and yet you're you're getting to your core principles, things that, that you've had a lot of work on. Um, and and that's part of the part of the job, part of the process. So um, there are elements to that that are you know that you enjoy doing and and, and yet it's just one small piece. Remember, if you have a question. One more question. Have, uh, Last think, question. Go ahead, Ryan. Uh, hey, Coach. I was wondering, I know Justin Simmons missed some time during training camp with that groin injury. Just almost, how how's he feeling from a health standpoint going to week one? Yeah, no injury updates. Um, every, you know, these guys are doing well, um, moving around, um, but nothing from an injury standpoint. All right, thanks, guys. Wow. <laughs> All right, Coach, thank you so much. We appreciate it. We'll, well see you guys out here. For well, time. well, well, Sean Payton, short and sweet. It's game week, folks. Can you tell? He may have poo-pooed the rivalry, but that is a Sean Payton that is dialing things up for the regular season. We'll react to what we just heard on the other side, Matt Smith and Troy Rank. But if you haven't already, I need you to do something for me first. If you think you can beat me and pick them, it doesn't really matter about Mark Schlereth or Brandon Stokely. Sure, these guys play in the NFL, but they all lost to me. So if you think you can take down the king, the weekly winner of our King Supers fan football pick em, receives $250, and the grand prize winner 
receives groceries for a year. Free groceries for a year. Register now at denversports.com. Trevor Hank and I will break down what little we heard from Sean Payton on the other side. Happy Labor Day, Denver. Here's Matt Smith and Denver 7's Troy Rank. from Sean Payton. He just had his... When is he going to speak again? Is he going to speak again before the Raider game? He, he'll speak in a presser in person Wednesday and Friday. Wednesday and Friday. So the plan now is for Zoom slash conference calls on Mondays. Okay. And then in person Wednesday, Friday. Well, those are going to be brief Zooms. If, if that was any indication of what is to come, Sean Payton didn't have time for, you know, anybody. Didn't, didn't have time for Mike Cliss today. Cliss asked him about Jimmy Buffett, asked him about the buffs. He said, no, Mike, I'm not worried about music for stretch. I'm also not worrying about watching college football. He just had no time for anybody today. In defense of Mike, uh, Peyton posted a picture with singing on stage with Jimmy Buffett. Oh, I saw it too. So that question wasn't just... Oh, no. Both of those questions were in bounds? Yeah. Absolutely. Sean Peyton had no time for them, though. I thought he might... Say something on Prime just because it's the story in football. But in some ways, again, and it's not Mike's question. If he hadn't asked it, someone else probably would have because Dion is the story story. in sports right now. Um, In some ways, though, it's refreshing. It's like, I don't know. I'm not doing anything. I'm in a bunker here Mm -hmm. preparing for the Raiders. I'm not coming up with kitty games and basketball hoops and worrying about ways to get Capri Sun and Orange Slices shipped in here for my players. I'm in the I'm in the bunker here, man, and that's who he is. Like he can be brief, he can be abrasive. I've seen him be volcanic after games, after losing a preseason game. This is who he is. The reality is, it's worked, and he's won. He's not for everyone. I've said this. He did not leave New Orleans, Matt. He brought New Orleans with him. This is who Sean Payton is. Can it work? I don't know, but I know he's got a plan for it. And his, his the way he coaches at practice, I can tell you is borderline brilliant. I just don't know if he has enough of his guys to pull it off this year. It's not too dissimilar to what Prime is doing right now with the media and the way he handles the media. It's not. He gives you very little. It's what he wants to talk about and however long he wants to talk, really. but with Prime's a little more confrontational and calling guys out. But he takes it a little further. That's Prime, the player, coming out. That's how he was when you interviewed him as a player. And it, it fits. It fits. It puts you in a tough spot if things get sideways. But as a fan but base, it is who he is. Yeah, and as a fan base, you can look past some of it, right? Because there's the swag and the cool factor. Sean Payton doesn't get necessarily that benefit of the doubt, but it's the same. He doesn't challenge reporters. He just doesn't suffer fools well. And if he's not interested, it's next question. Right. But that's who he is. He's been like that multiple times. Not every time. Some days he's so engaging that it's unbelievable. He'll give you a five-minute answer to an innocuous question. Other days, a very pointed question you get nothing from. I've heard him say, I don't talk about injuries, and then describe a guy's practically his MRI down to the last (laughs) point. And the next guy, what about so-and-so? I don't talk about injuries. Oh, wait, what was that? But that's Sean Payton. I'm I'm comfortable with all of I've covered pro sports for 30 years. Mm -hmm. I've seen all types. Clint Hurdle was a little like this. Clint Hurdle had a little bit of Dion and Sean Payton. Where he could be verbose. And Clint Hurdle had some Dion too. Yeah, he could challenge reporters. Okay, like he would go after reporters. maybe in that regard. Yeah. yeah, no, I'm just saying in that way. Yeah, and he was very fluent in the way he used the language and all. And I've seen the nicest guy in the world in Jim Tracy, Nathaniel Hackett, Nathaniel Hackett, and I've seen guys like Vic Fangio, 
who are as dry as and a crotchety as it I gets. Mean, just curmudgeony. Yeah. So I've seen all types. And the, the bottom line is, especially when it comes to the Broncos, nobody cares if you win. Nobody cares if you win. You can be curmudgeony. You can be the funnest guy. You can be all anywhere in between. All Broncos country wants us to win. Right. It's not nobody cares if you win. Nobody cares if you win. If you win. Right. Emphasis right. on the word if you win. Right. So let's recap what we talked about here with Sean Payton. First thing that happened, what do you think about Raiders week, Sean? Ah, there's no rivalries in the NFL. That's you gotta win your division. You gotta win divisional games, but that's for the that's for college football. Okay. But I've seen him take multiple cheap shots at the Falcons on social media while he was the coach of the Saints. Right. It matters to him. He just doesn't play into the question. Trust me when they know what these games mean. But we kind of have to look at it in context of last year where Justin Outen and Nathaniel Hackett was like, I love the Raiders. My dad coached for the Raiders. Right there. It's the greatest thing ever. I still go there and get <laughs> Slurpees and hot dogs at halftime. It's the funnest thing ever. The Chiefs. I was a ball boy for the Chiefs. I love the Chiefs. As they're literally shoving your nose in it every time you play them. You're talking about how great it is. Like your first line of your resumes loves Chiefs. Second line is coach of the Broncos. Like, what are we doing? <laughs> just... just Fake it till you bone. make it. Throw just you can say what he says. Every division game matters. That's better than I have friends over there. That's great. It's Disneyland. Yeah. Oh my God. So like then, Nathaniel, what are we doing? Then are we. You, oh my. Bro, that week with the Chiefs. That remember when the Chiefs thing was? I wasn't here for these losses. I didn't like. Okay, so you take over the coach of Duke. I don't know anything about North Carolina. Those losses aren't on me. You inherit the rivalry. Isn't You're the head little, guy. Like, what are we talking about? Isn't that a little bit of what Sean Payton did? But he acknowledged that it's a rivalry in a way that all division games are rivalries, but I don't see it the way you guys want me. I'm not going to play into your narrative. Behind closed doors, I guarantee you, he's saying, our quickest path back to relevancy is be competitive in the AFC West. It's the, the quickest way to get into the playoffs is what? Win the division. Of course. I mean, that's a huge Herculean task with the Chiefs standing out there, but he knows this, and I watched him take cheap shots at the Falcons for years on social media. He's just not going to play into it, but he doesn't say, I love the Raiders. My favorite player was Kenny Stabler. I still have a poster of him on my wall. Like, Hackett was so over the top. I'm like, how old are you, 12? Are you still their ball boy? Like, stop talking about it like this. And then we got to Jimmy Buffett, at which point he – said that he's not worried about music for stretching. Uh, he said he didn't watch any college football, so he didn't see what Prime did. Apparently, he didn't have his camera on in the Zoom either. Which... No, he made it a conference call. We were told it was going to be a conference call. I think the reason it was a Zoom and not an old-style conference call is just because the technology is so much easier to mute and unmute. Because if you remember the old-school conference calls, which I don't even know if they do them anymore, but it's like, if you would like to ask a question, put star 789724 push it, take three pauses, and then call back this international number and you can ask a question. Right. I'm guessing they just did it this way. It was a conference call on Zoom. Probably just easier to make it happen. And then he was asked about who, whose injury was he asked about? Justin Simmons. Justin Simmons. And then he said he's not giving injury reports. So. He doesn't have to on Monday. No, no. He, you will on Wednesday they released the first injury report. Essentially it was a waste of time. I asked him about are you looking forward to coaching with the open up the playbook because the pre the premise of my question was talking to players over the last few weeks, Matt. Mm. They're like, man, you can't wait till you see what this really looks like. I mean, they're holding back. Now, he's saying, he said it's incremental because he enjoys coaching. He loves screaming at officials. Oh, he, he loves, loves the it. chess match. Loves That's it. why I'm asking, are you looking forward to this? Because now the playbook's open. 
we're not holding anything back. You got to win this game. And he, so he's like, listen, it's part of the week. You know, you're more specific for the opponent, but he didn't bite on it. He's bit on other questions I've asked him last week. Part of the reason I asked him, like, how do you work with Russell Wilson? You have a biting sense of humor. Russell's more positive than SpongeBob. <laughs> Russ is not a funny guy. How do you get to get? And he's like, it works. But I knew going into this week, like, if you have anything kind of off the wall or different, you better ask it now because I can't see him engaging this week. It's just like my relationship with Dante. As long as one of us is really funny, it doesn't matter if the other one is funny at all, right? That's how that works, right, Dante? All right, hey, <laughs> coming up next, <laughs> let's uh, let's get back into the buffs here because Sean clearly didn't provide any updates and didn't want to give us anything to talk about. So we're happy to get into what is the largest story in sports. It's been A, a Block and all these national shows all morning long. It's been basically, we've been in here since 6 a.m. It's basically been three and a half hours of Dion and Shadur and Travis Hunter. And we'll get back to him next. Happy Labor Day, Denver. Here's Matt Smith and Denver 7's Troy Rank. After so long, both at CU and with the Broncos, there's a coaching staff that you can have a little faith in. Isn't that nice? Whether or not they handle the media however they handle it, from a football perspective, just feels good. Feels good to have two guys in charge and you're, you're, you can have full confidence in them. How long has it been since we could say that? I mean, since Kubiak and maybe one year of McIntyre. <laughs> I get, yeah, you're right. The 2016 the overlap, pro- right? I broke the story of him getting fired. I'll never forget sitting at that press conference after I wrote that he would be fired. Kubiak? No. Uh, McIntyre? Yeah, I broke you broke that? that story. Yeah, like a week before he got fired. Mm. And I went to the press conference that week leading up to That's the one where he, the brought, Buffalo? he brought up the picture. The Buffalo he heads star- first into the storm? He was staring at me the whole time. I was <laughs> what a weird day. Oh, man. But, um, Coach Mac. Yeah, listen. I mean, Peyton's presser today, like he's in full game mode. Oh, yeah. I mean, this is he. I've told you that he can be abrasive. He can be short. He's a little bit of mad scientist to him, but he's in charge. There's no denying who's in charge of this operation. It oh, is yeah. so Mike Shanahan and Mike Shanahan. Mike Shanahan. Let's say esque. I think I got it right. Shanahanian. Yeah, Shanahanian. There you go. That's what it's like. Yeah. I covered Mike. It's very similar. Very similar. Very similar. Well, Does not suffer fools well. He has dramatic impatience at times. Sometimes he's engaging. It just depends on the day. But at the end of the day, he's about winning football games. And that's all Broncos country cares about. Nobody cares about us in the media, and I, I do totally understand that. I really do. I don't like sometimes when people pick fights as a coach with the media or want us to be cheering for the team. What, like, what, wait, that's, wait, wait, that's not our role. Picking fights with the media, cheer, cheering for the team. What are you, What could you possibly be talking yeah, about? Listen, up, Dion, I, me, man? You, you, hold on. Hold on. What, what could you be talking about? Oh, no. Do you believe that? Huh? Who said I didn't believe oh, before? No, no, no. I ran through that bull junk you wrote. Now. I, I ran through that. I sifted what, through what all that. Yeah. What did I write? What did I write? Oh, no. Come Can on. I ask my question? Do you believe? In what? You don't believe. I do believe. You just answered it. You don't believe. <laughs> Next question. That So that's Ed Werder, who covered Dion as a player. Ed was the beat writer for the Cowboys of the Dallas Morning News. Ed is a Longmont High grad. Mm-hmm. So I've... Still lives in Colorado. Yeah, he still lives in Colorado. His grandson's here and all. But 
the, the issue, I, I, the only thing I could find he even wrote about it was a celebrity coach trying to turn the team around. Like, he's not writing articles about CU. He doesn't cover college football. He's an NFL reporter for ESPN. So I wasn't exactly sure. There, there may be more there you would know. Mm. I'm not sure what that was. But, again, it's not the reporter's job to believe in the team. We cover it. I root for stories 100%. Like, the Broncos being a, a rebound team is a great story. Them sucking more mm-hmm. is not a great story. It's become a cliche. It's like the Nickelback song. Like, I don't want it anymore. They, like, stop. They are just Nickelback catching the stray. Stop with the losing and the just dysfunction. But it's not the reporter's job to believe in the team. Now, coaches do this, pick fights or make the us against them. You guys didn't believe it. It's like, some of it is about the fan base. Some of it's about national, you know, national analysts. And so as the beat guy, you're the one facing him every day. You get some of the crossfire. And we make mistakes. I humbly admit that. But our job isn't to believe in the team and write about our job is to chronicle what's going on and provide context. And so, but this is who prime is. That's why as much as like it can create uncomfortable moments, fans on social media don't care. I do find it humorous though. It's like, you guys never ask the tough questions. And then on Saturday, it's like, you guys all should believe like you can't have it both ways. That's Homerism blog. Like I'm wearing my CU gear covering the team. That's not, no. Traditional journalism. No. Traditional journalism, you cover the team, you show up, you chronicle it, you try to tell great stories, you meet deadlines. Your job isn't to promote the team. That's yeah. why you have the school website. You have sometimes, you know, some of the teams that have flagship stations, it might be a little different, whatever. But as a journalist, your job isn't to promote the team. They have avenues for that. Right. So I think, but when Prime does it, it's all in character. It's who he is. He didn't just suddenly wake up one day. This is who he's been. It's what he said since he got here. He's been consistent with it. He wants everyone on board. So the us against them, it's an old story from Michael Jordan. to I could pick a million athletes I've covered that make it easy to say, I read this one thing you wrote, which means somebody read it and told it to him because typically they don't read it. That's fine. But it's we're the easy target, All right, and I so, get that. So let me give you a little let me give you a little context here. This is my theory behind why he's doing this to reporters. It's all for motivation. It's for all who? for the team. Okay. It's all to manipulate motivation for the team to develop the us against the world mentality. Nobody believed in us, right? And you brought it up earlier. Well, Shadur could have played. He was a four star coming out of high school. He could have played just about anywhere. Travis Hunter was the number one recruit in the country, right? Dylan Edwards was a top running back recruit. Cormani McLean was the number one overall, you know, corner this class. I know he acted like he was handing out uniforms in the parking lot before the TCU game. <laughs> I just found a bunch of dudes at the tailgate, and this is who he played with. Okay. But, but okay. what Prime is. Up the bridge. Right. But what he's doing, though, is he's developing that so that he has a bit of a victim role here, so he can use that to rally the troops. I'll give them this. It's working. They're buying in. It's working, man. And Michael Malone did a lot of the same for the Nuggets in the playoffs, right? Oh, nobody believed in us, right? And we heard all of it. And eventually, as the playoffs were on, it became less and less believable because it's like, no, Coach, we we believe, we can see how good you are. You guys are doing something you've never done before. You're proving it. We're right there with you. But it didn't but his stop. was for the national media. Who, who've, and there was, the same there, real, there was real disrespect from the national media toward the Nuggets when the playoffs started. What about Tom Luganville? ESPN. I couldn't believe. Tom Luganville covers ESPN recruiting, comes out last week. ESPN's head recruiting analyst comes out last week and says Colorado has the least talented roster in the country. 
That's who Prime's responding to. Right. And did he delete his hard drive? As a top recruiting guy, whether you think they were going to be comically bad, they were so much to improve athletically just based on the stars on recruiting services. I've never seen... That looked personal. That clearly was personal. And I don't know the history. I don't care to. But to say they're the only team that they're comparable from a talent standpoint is UMass Amherst. Like, dude, they have like four or five five-star recruits. Based on one of those, they'd have more talent than UMass. Like, I, what are you? Yeah. It just seems so personal. I have never seen a journalist so quickly, instantly discredit themselves. That's a take that you just don't come back from, right? I mean, you have such an outlandish take, and like you said, using but a that's brain his field. He is the recruiting guy. But that's what I I'm saying. can see if he was on first take, just spouting stuff it is to personal. create him. I was going to say, that seemed personal. Like, he just doesn't like Dion. He doesn't like the buffs. Okay. ESPN's, and, and so I was talking to a bunch of people in the recruiting community after he said that, and a lot of the people came back to me with, well, now it all makes sense why ESPN CU recruiting rankings have been so much you know lower than everybody else's is because this is the guy that's been in charge of it. So, anyway, the point is, is, is here's my theory. He is doing this because some of the criticism, not all the criticism, but guys like Tom Luganbill, you hear a lot of these outlandish comments that go viral. All these anonymous Pac-12 coaches who are taking complete un- unwarranted shots without having the courage to put their names behind it all offseason. It's that type of stuff. And I'll tell you, look, Prime, from an athletic perspective, cannot compete anymore. Okay? I can only imagine what the mental struggle is for a guy who was the equivalent of a god in human form. I mean, let's just call what one of the best athletes of all time to do what he did. I think this is his way of competing now. It's competing against national perception. I think this is where his fire is really, really born from. In fact, after the game, they rushed the ice bucket in to get his foot into ice immediately. I can't believe he made it the whole game on the sideline. In fact, I can't believe that he even tried to. That that took that took some real chutzpah to be able to even try and stick that out. And then when he came out from getting treatment, I was standing in the hallway, and, you know, I've gotten to know him now over the last, you know, however many, many months it's been. And I said, you know, congratulations, Coach, you know, and, and he looked at me, and the first thing, instead of thank you, you know, I appreciate whatever, or, or even just walking by me, he goes, they ain't talking now, are they? That's what drives him. He's got to have some sort of fire. It reminds me of the last dance with Michael Jordan. Remember when Michael talked about how if there was no motivation there, he had to manipulate it? That's what we're yeah, seeing. That conversation that Gary Payton supposedly had in a restaurant. Yeah, right, like, right, right. Like, George no, Carl snubbed me at yo, dinner. So yeah. like, wait, what are you talking? These guys are like, that's what you're saying. never happened. That's what you're seeing. Now, now, I now, think Prime has taken it a little too far, a little bit, with some of the back and forth. But I'll just say... As we have learned covering the team, if you're going to ask him a question, be ready to go. And you better ask him a good question. It No more of this, oh, well, you get to see your son every day. How cool is that? No, we're past that point. You better not ask him anything like that anymore. you got to ask him real questions. Otherwise, he's going to stop you. Now, to your point, what happened with Ed Werder, we were all sitting around going, I have no idea what you're talking about. The only thing in my mind that I thought it could have been is ESPN had Werder working the TCU side of the story for that game, right? He had some features on College Game Day that he was talking to Sonny Dykes, and maybe some of those comments got misconstrued. Either way, I think Prime said, you are my target for national media because you're the biggest name that's sitting in front of me right now, and I'm going after you on behalf of everybody. Because all he kept saying, I said, 
<laughs> he didn't say anything until I said, congratulations, coach. He said, they ain't talking now, are they? And then immediately he went into, I, I got the receipts. I got, And that's what it was. The, the, from Shador to Travis, all three of them in the presser, the entire presser was one giant, I told you so. And to be honest, they probably deserved it. Yeah. However, however, it's going to rub some people the wrong way. It's going to rub a lot of people the wrong way. Well, but that, that's prime in his career, though. You can appreciate the talent, but he wasn't for everyone. Some people, he was flamboyant before people were flamboyant. He was, you know, a, a me guy in terms of, he was a guy who was self-branding, not me, excuse me, because he was on winning teams and made them better. But he had, he created, time. he created a brand yeah. in college that offended people. You know, so this is who he is as a coach. Old school people aren't going to like it, but it's what they needed, frankly. I mean, they needed this type of personality to give them a chance. And the recruiting has been unbelievable, the kids that want to play for him. So it all has a purpose. I don't like the back and forth in a media press conference because that was after a win. Oh, yeah. What's it going to be like if you go to, you know, you, let's say you go to Oregon and you lose by. Well, he can't do that. If he does that after, that's after where a loss. You've got to be careful. Right. you got to be careful because. You don't have to be friends with the media, but you want a professional relationship with them. You don't want every press conference right. to be back and forth. No, no, no. Like with Sean Payton today, he just decides going in, this is going to be a brief press conference because he controls his answers. Some days he's verbose. He's telling stories about 15 years ago. And today it was borderline yes, no. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And, and that's who he decided to be. But so Dion, I just would, he cares less what I think, but just... Be a little careful with this. We don't want every presser to be combative. Most people are putting their arms around this, certainly in this state, not CSU fans. But I'm saying, in general, college football is better in this state when CU matters. The best it's ever been here was when CU is a national power, whether it was the early, early 70s or when I was in school for 89 to 93. It's better if CU is relevant. So most people want to embrace this story. So I just hope locally he isn't fighting with the media. If he wants to make the national boogeyman the guy that you go after, totally get it. But don't make it every theme of everything in every press conference. It's just going to become unnecessary, just like you said. The great example of Mike Malone. We all get it. We're all tired of hearing about ES with the Lakers talking on ESPN as well. It's nauseating. That's the greatest team that ever got swept. What the heck are you talking about? Right, like, we... Right. We're all watching it like this is stupid. So that I understood, but to a point locally, you don't need to tell us, Coach. All you right. don't need to tell us. On the other side, I want to ask the text line a question. 303-713-1043 on the RamosLaw.com text line. Which game are you more excited for? CU Nebraska or Broncos Raiders? And when we come back on the other, on the other side, we're going to preview both. Labor Day, Denver. Here's Matt Smith and Denver 7's Troy Rank. On the Ramoslaw.com text line, 303-713-1043, <clears throat> I asked everybody, what are you more looking forward to? It's rivalry week. We've got Raiders and Broncos and Buffs and Huskers. CU versus Bug Eaters. CU versus Nebraska. CU. We got Broncos Raiders. We got another one for Broncos, so there's three to two. Four to two, five to two, CU, six to two, CU. Had the Buffs lost, I would have been more excited for the Broncos. Seven to two, CU. There's Broncos, seven to three. Okay. My point is this it is the Twilight Zone. 
right? This is this we're not used to this around here. This is Broncos country. But Coach Prime right now is the biggest story in sports, not just college football, not just football, but in all of sports. It has been remarkable to see this unfold. And this weekend against Nebraska, we'll, we'll start with the Buffs and we'll get to the Broncos. <clears throat> this weekend against Nebraska, you've got a Nebraska team coming in here who looked awful, Troy. They opened up on the road in Minnesota with Matt Rule's first game. They lose 13-10 to because they blew it late. <laughs> Yet another one-score loss you can chalk up to the big board for the bug eaters out there. 2-14 and 14 on their last 16? What? <laughs> <laughs> Scott Frost, how did they let Scott take that job for as long as they did? That was unbelievable, man. What a laughing stock. All right, so you look at that team who scored 10 points on the road at Minnesota. Now they're coming into Colorado. Reminder for everyone out there, Nebraska hasn't beaten CU in 13 years. Now they've only played two times, but they haven't beat them in 13 years. <laughs> and when they came here last time, they had CU down in a big way at the end of the first half. A flea flicker from the back of the end zone, which is to this day one of the most ridiculous play calls I've ever seen, ended up being the catalyst for a huge comeback win. What do you expect out of this game this weekend? I expect CU to win based on the Nebraska team I watched and the CU team I watched. I mean, Nebraska offensively is challenged. They were going after that top quarterback recruit in the country. They didn't get him. The guys whose dad played there, Dylan, wherever. Oh, yeah, I know who you're talking about. I can't think of the name. I mean, he was, yep. that was going to be their program changer. And I'm not saying their quarterback was the issue, but they lacked talent at some of their skill positions. I mean, the Nebraska teams I grew up watching, I mean, they had the best running backs in the country and the best linemen in the country, and sometimes even the best tight end. They don't have that anymore. I don't know how they're going to stop CU enough to win that game. Nebraska is going to play better. It was their first game on the road, and Minnesota's a physical team. They're a good team in the Big Ten. They're no, nobody's idea of a power, but they're a good football team. I mean, they boxed CU's years last year. You saw they're a physical team that can run the ball. I expect... I just I don't see how Nebraska can score with them. Mm-mm. So even if Nebraska plays appreciably better, I could see see you still winning like thirty one to twenty four. I mean, see who's going to give up points. I mean, I think that's who they are. But I expect the Buffs to win. As Coach McCartney said, I'd better be dead than red. Mm-hmm. I covered the team with Coach McCartney. I watched that thirty for thirty, the Gospel of Mac last weekend. And I knew most of those players. I covered Chad, Alfred Williams, Deion Figures, Charles Johnson. I had class with them. I had Will George's class at CU. What a brilliant professor. That when I covered CU there, if you were a reporter and wore red during Nebraska week, he kicked you out of practice. Oh, yeah. I I think that might come back this week because Deion has already banned red from the facility. And I actually had a hat the other, maybe two weeks ago, that I wore to practice one day because it had a little bit of red in it. And somebody posted on a video of mine. I can't believe they still let reporters wear red. I won't be wearing red this week. I wouldn't be caught dead in Detroit. I wouldn't wear red this week. <laughs> I wouldn't be caught dead. It was fascinating with Mac because he identified Nebraska's arrivalry, and they're like, wait, what? Who? <laughs> like, see, it was a bug on their windshield for decades other than a brief time in the early 70s. But Mac, as with Dion, created this enemy. This is who we're beating. And, like, all of a sudden, the, just this avalanche of momentum now you look up, and that's the team we have to beat. It's like worked him into this crazy fervor over it, and it worked. Yeah, and the, the players up there right now are already taking to it. They're calling Nebraska the corn. I saw which, that. Which I love that. I love that. And and this week, I'm, uh, one of the questions, if if I get an opportunity, I think I imagine we'll talk to Shadur this week. One of the things I'm curious to see is if he's found a reason to hate Nebraska yet. 
Because that's what you got to do. I feel like that's being an honorary. You know, that's really your 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 Colorado baptism. You just got to find a reason to hate Nebraska. That's it. That's all you got to do. Look, Nebraska did not look good at all against Minnesota. Jeff Sims, their quarterback, he can move. Now he's mobile. Yeah, he's talented. But in the past, I think that would have been a more daunting task than it is for this CU defense. As long as they don't beat themselves, they should win this game handily. Unless Nebraska finds a passing offense between now and when they make their way to Boulder on Saturday for big noon kickoff. Here's the other part of this. You've got big noon kickoff again. Back-to-back weeks. It was an amazing setup at TCU. Awesome stage. They had a bunch of different stuff for fans and a bunch of food trucks. I can't wait to see what they do in Boulder. But here's the other part of it. Guys, this is Prime's debut in Colorado. They are the national story. I get goosebumps just thinking about what the energy in that building is going to be like when Prime leads the team out behind Ralphie for the very first time, coming off a ranked win the fourth biggest upset in school history after this stretch of abysmal football, after what we saw the scene in the spring game. Oh, my God. If I'll just say this. I just saw the ticket prices. Get in prices like damn near $500. Yeah, 400 500 bucks, right? Okay. I think that Prime should ride Ralphie out onto no. the field. Just saddle no. him up. Ride Ralphie out onto the field. Ralphie better have a big-ass chain and a diamond-crested face mask. Like, Let's lean all the way into this thing. Now, I got CU by two scores in that game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I do. It opened up before the season, Nebraska minus 9.5. Well, it's now Colorado minus 3.5. Yeah, based on their opening performance. That's almost a two-touchdown swing. Based okay. on the performance of both teams in one week. That's impressive. That, I've never seen that in college football yeah, like I that before. I saw Nebraska at, at, Basically a 10-point favor right. right up to the kickoff against CUTCU. Yeah. Nebraska. I told a friend. I told a friend. Golden Hammer money line CU Nebraska when they were a 10-point dog. He's going to make some money this weekend. <laughs> That's for sure. I wish I was smart enough to take my own advice, but stupid Texas. How do we not have sports gambling legal everywhere? Anyway, all right, Broncos Raiders. Broncos Raiders. Six in a row, Troy. Six in a row you've lost to the Raiders. And as you said earlier, more embarrassing than losing 15 in a row to the Chiefs. What do you see out of this game? This feels like a coin flip game to me. Jimmy Garoppolo, Josh Jacobs will be back. The Raiders primarily are pretty healthy, right? But it's a it's a whole new operation with Jimmy G there. How do you see this one playing out? It's going to be a close game. I mean, the Raiders play the Broncos well. Josh McDaniels, for all the vitriol that he's earned and deserves for doing his best to ruin the Broncos franchise in two years, the reality is... They play the Broncos well. They've matched up well against them, and it really starts with Josh Jacobs. In that, in seven games against the Broncos, he has 721 yards rushing. He's got nine touchdowns in those seven games. Last year, 335 total yards and two scores. He took their will away last year in Vegas in the second half of the game. The one advantage they should have is I cannot see him carrying 25, 30 times given the fact he had basically no training camp. So first game, at altitude, no camp. I think realistically for him, somewhere between like 15 and 20 carries, not 28 for 160. So, and he gets better as the game goes longer. That's where I think they have a little bit of an advantage right there is I just don't see think we're going to see that version of Jacobs. So get out early so yeah. that Vegas can't run the ball. Exactly. And this is a, a novel concept. Lead in a game. What would that look like if you actually had a lead so the other team can't run the ball down your throat? If you lead 10 nothing, if you lead 17-7 to early in the third, guess what? They have to pass. They're not going to stay with the run down 10, especially when you get in the fourth quarter. That is a way to improve your rush defense, force the play calling of the other team by taking a lead. 
and holding a lead. It's like the Seinfeld thing. Anyone can take a lead. The holy part is not. Can we hold a lead once in a while? But the keys to that game for me are twofold. I'll give you three. You got to you got to tame Josh Jacobs. He's fifteen for seventy five. Okay, he can't go one hundred and fifty on you like he has the last few years. He can't look like Earl Campbell meets Walter Payton, which he's done against them at times. You've got a chip. I I would say I want more chips on Max Crosby than are in my windshield right now from driving on I twenty five. If they allow him, try rank everybody. If they allow him to beat them, it'll be so disappointing. He is the star of that defense. You've got to chip him. Keep Manhurts in if you need to. Keep traveling with Manhurts. Find a way to neutralize Crosby. Make somebody else beat you in the pass rush. The third thing is Jimmy Garoppolo is a winner. Great-looking guy. We all get it. Great-looking guy. Jimmy GQ, all that. Every teammate loves him. He makes one or two throws a game that are absolute facepalm, where you're like, oh, my, why in the world? you got to pick off one of those. That's in a close game. That pick on your own 35, that's the game. That's what makes you win by a field goal or a touchdown is he's going to have a – he's going to give you a chance to get a pick. At some point, you got to convert. The one thing that Devontae Adams did to the Broncos last year was beat them deep. Yes. Jimmy doesn't have that arm. He doesn't have Derek Carr's arm like that. He's got a decent arm, but that won't be a significant factor. So the way I see it is you force Jimmy to beat you. Right, This is his first game with Josh McDaniels. Yeah, okay, they're reuniting, but Josh Jacobs is back. Just force the Raiders to beat you through the air because what is the strength of this defense? Should be the secondary. It should be the secondary. Should be the secondary. So so I imagine that the Broncos, I think, in week one, snapped the six-game losing streak, and I think you do end up having a 1-0 start under Sean Payton. What a weekend. Buffs beat Nebraska. Oh, the Broncos, Broncos beat the Raiders. We coming, Troy. We coming. All right, the judge, Dan Jacobs, is up next. But first, if you want to beat the fan hosts, you got to sign up for our King Supers Fan Football Pick'em. But you really don't have to worry about beating Zach or DMac or Mike Evans or Schlereth or Stokely because I've got all those guys under my toe. you got to be worried about beating me. And if you do, if you win each week, the winner receives $250 to King Supers. The grand prize winner, if you win the whole shebang, they receive groceries for an entire year. Register now at denversports.com slash picks. Happy Labor Day to you and yours, the judge, Dan Jacobs. He's up next.